Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Munzenreiter, filling in for Templeton Elliott, who's away this week. I'm joined, as always, by Jason from Frozen and Carbonite, and filling in for Templeton this week is Patrick Kagongo from L.A. This week, we're talking about the New York Times piece, Can Skateboarding Help Fight Racism? But first, Stevie Williams, uh, he's been jumping back into the news cycle a little bit once again. So... Yeah, uh, Stevie's been putting out a bunch of new footage this year. I looked, and it's been about an eight-month cycle of production. Um, He's also been noticeably vocal in the past couple of weeks on Instagram. And uh, in my opinion, perhaps his biggest statement was at Jaquan this week. Patrick, what spoke to you more loudly about that IG post? Was it Stevie's pants or that Switch 5.0, Switch 360 flip out? I think it was the pants. Um, (laughs) It was definitely like a rough and rugged look. And I'm not going to knock it because I remember there was, um, I remember seeing him four and one. It was a best of volume two. And he was wearing these huge, chunky Adidas's and some really, really, really baggy pants with the belt hanging down. And and they were black pants, too. Like back then, it was that era when it was everyone's wearing uh, the same light colored jeans and white tees. And it was fly. So I don't know. He might be he might be ahead of the curve. That might be 2021. I mean, obviously the trick the trick was amazing, but the pants is the thing that really caught our eye. Yeah, I, I really didn't see. So I think Stevie calling out Wecking Ball, that grates just to say out loud without the R in there, by the way. But um, yeah, he, he, he kind of jumped back on the radar when it's like, oh, wow, okay, what's what's this thing people are talking about? Okay, shoot, he's he's skating a lot. And that trick, I did not expect it whatsoever. And he did it probably better than you should. But yeah, those pants, like everybody's everybody's kind of going going bigger. You know, Gilbert Crockett's doing his thing with the wide leg openings all <laughs> wide all the way up. And then 10, all of a sudden, cuffs. yeah, I mean, yeah, what what was the inch count again? 10. <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah, Stevie tight and distressed. 2021 yeah, could like, be um, interesting. Could be, although like I don't know if those are naturally distressed pants. But um, I'm going to hit you guys with some real talk. So making distressed pants for fast fashion, like H&M, whoever, any sort of carrier that makes jeans that looks like that is super, super, super bad for the environment and awful for the workers because they're basically they're sandblasting jeans. Right. And in a lot of factories where this stuff is made, you know, people aren't wearing PPE. So, you know, no goggles, no breathing apparatus, no nothing like that. So they're getting those microparticles of denim plus whatever the sandblasting material is. It's, um, they're a lot of trouble. They're a heap of problem. So like pre-distressed denim is, no, nah, I'm going to say that's a big, big no. But because Stevie's a legend, you know, I think he's going to have to get a pass. Real talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, well, what can we say? We we love pants on this podcast. We love talking about pants. Yeah, like I think, A, I think this kind of points to a Stevie comeback in the works. I'll get back to that in a minute, but the pants. Yeah, I think he might be ahead of the curve. This is kind of like a uh, kind of like a throwback to the to the, like the rolled up pants from the late 90s, but more mm-hmm. like a more modern take on it, kind of. Watch next summer. Next yeah. summer. Next next summer, I mean, yeah, fashion is great. It's fun to talk about, unbelievable. But uh, I figure out what shoes those are. Those are like the uh, the DC Stevie reissues, like the Stevie Slim or whatever. That's what those yeah, shoes yeah. wearing. I but um, yeah, they look pretty good, like all skated up and shit, which is mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing with Wrecking Ball, like you know, you know what they say: no publicity is bad publicity. So 
if it gets him kind of on the radar with with the youth of Instagram, that's probably good for his brand. Even though it's like a bad strategy to get involved with a troll. In you're you're talking about Stevie here, yeah. Yeah, Stevie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, cause like with I don't know. I think Wrecking Ball veered out of his lane on this one. Like yeah. going in on Stevie by trolling Stevie, like picking whatever he did with Stevie. Um, instead of being like like the kind of affable heel, like in wrestling, right? He kind yeah. of crossed into territory where there's going to be people who will, will look at that and be like, "My man, you're being a, a lot problematic. Not a little problematic, but a lot." Yeah, you know? especially given the moment. Yeah, I'd, even out of context, out of the moment, out of any of it, you know, it's it's just like where does does one dude even really have standing to come after Stevie Williams? And I'm going to plead ignorance on knowing exactly how it began. I mean, was it like checking wheels or checking tails on a manual and it ballooned into, you know, the ridiculousness of calling for, for trick for trick Instagram challenges? I, I think oh, it was, so. It was the yeah. manual. It was the yeah. manual. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the situation, one skater does not have standing to come after a guy who, I mean, what? Stevie Williams goes back to like 92, 93. So we're almost talking yeah. like three decades. And I mean, the guy, he, looking at his <laughs> output over the past couple of months on Instagram, like you can tell when these old pros, when these legacy pros haven't been skating. Mm-hmm. Stevie Williams has been skating and it looks good. It's like, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it. I know that's right. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Who's had a comeback that was even better than a high-flying career. It's one thing to have a comeback where, like, a guy, Mariano, like, we always got these kind of little peaks. Is Like, he had, his career kind of had these, like, sort of fits and starts. And then with his big comeback, you know, you realize you got to see him skating beyond his full potential. And it was this beautiful, heartwarming story. But who's somebody who was consistently awesome, took a couple of years off, and then came back even better? Maybe uh, Daywan, I think. I think Daywan quit for a time and was way into cars, like around yep. 95. Oh, like, like his, uh, he's kind of like his lost weekend in like the mid 90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like in between 20 shot and trilogy, probably. Yeah. Probably around there. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, I kind of think that's kind of a cool move because, like, with most people, you know what I mean? in the life cycle of a skater, there's going to be some times when you're not skating or mm-hmm. you're not skating as much. It could be like women, substance abuse, work, any type of life shit that comes up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I think it's definitely a cool move to, you know, take some time off and then come back, which it, uh, hopefully he'll formulate it into a part or something. It's funny. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, on his Instagram, they have like the highlights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, there's someone's him like working out and shit, like hitting the uh, the cables and all that, hitting the kettlebell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? If Kareem came back, I want a Kareem come back. Ooh. That like that little clip of him at the barracks doing the uh, the tray flip on the quarter pipe. Yeah. Ooh man. Yeah, like, I mean, some, yeah. Don't some tease dudes, us, Kareem. Got, yeah, he's definitely one of those that could like take it a few months off or a year off and you know step on a board. So I'm trying to remember Stevie's. Nine Club interview because I feel like in that kind of like what was it was it profile one of those like mid nineties sponsors of his pre chocolate think there was also some time off where he was kind of like is this happening am am I am I making that no, up does you, that, you, does that ring a bell with anybody 
Yeah, I think right. so. It was Profile and, and he, uh, C and O Wheels because Dill was on the same company. That was like Dill and his whole like uh, cocaine blunts living in San Francisco <laughs> era after he got kicked off 101 and before he got on Alien. And Stevie, I think, was on that company fit. And so was Henry Sanchez, right? Yep. I think yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. say this was I can't remember if it was before or after he got on XYZ. But um, like Stevie was kind of on there and it was like it was Stevie had grown up a bit like you remember like him in 411 I think it was maybe it was issue maybe it was 4 or maybe it was number 8 anyway there was that period where Stevie had kind of uh, he'd gotten his growth spurt right but he hadn't quite put together the part that would get him on chocolate so that's the era that you're thinking of I want to yeah. say it's like 97 1997 1998 around there maybe even 96 I could be wrong but between 96 and 98 yeah, that that chocolate tour came out in '98, and he had Ender in that, and I know yep. a lot of that footage was like from a sponsor me tape mm-hmm. for that that Nine Club interview, and kind of crazy. As I, as I looked up his age, the internet says he's born December 7, 1979, so he's 40, and yeah, um, kind of kind of thinking of the you know the fitness, like hitting the gym. The dude's in shape. <laughs> which matters a lot in in these mm-hmm. elevated ages and um yeah i guess i guess my whole point is like the perspective of early 90s being like a just a fresh teenager and now like coming on to middle age and looking good he was skating stairs at the barracks which mm-hmm. like he's skating a 10 stair backside heel frontside flip that's stuff that i have no recollection of him skating anything that big ever so it's a good look yeah, Dan. I think uh, I'm I'm about the same age. I think it. I think if I tried to skate a ten stair, like my whole body would implode <laughs> upon impact. Or become something. a singularity and just yeah, it's become a singularity. But Finish. yeah, I mean, if he could come back, I mean, he's already one of the most legendary street skaters ever. Like if you look at his body of work, and you know, what I mean, with the branding and everything. So yeah, that would be legendary if he can come back. He needs to come back. Shit. Stevie. I'm talking to you personally, brother to brother. I need you to bring back Kareem and LeVar. Oof. Y- y'all got to come, all three of y'all got to come back summer 2020. The streets need it. The people need it, man. Yeah. And LeVar, you want to talk about little kid prodigies or whatever. He was the, you know what I mean, archetypal little he was kid prodigy. Dude. He, was, he yeah. was like, he is like the missing link between Javante and Ishan. Straight yeah, up. That's a, yeah, that's a good take like unstoppable just amazing like phenomenally good like ishad is like the fully realized version of both of those guys' careers right like he's got the he's got tricks on lock and the style and he also has this kind of like um just this chill vibe like you know like javante footage is like um was that dude manolo's tape did uh he did a mixtape of javante stuff and you're just like yeah, yeah. It- a full real deal holy field career from dude but then you're kind of like maybe we didn't need it we just needed a taste yeah the world i don't think the world was ready for like a full, full fledged like javante being like i'm doing skateboarding all the time three you know 24 7 three six we can barely keep up with each job yeah i think javante was kind of like had other interests and like once embarcadero was over he was kind of like over it you know yeah. what i mean he was into cars cool. he was into cars yeah. and chilling and you know Hundreds of cars leaning, <laughs> leaning on those those nine club interviews mm-hmm. again. I, I would argue, you know, someone uh, 
there's that guy doing like the data breakdowns <clears throat> for skateboard videos. I know he's on Twitter. I don't know if I can look him up mm-hmm. fast enough, but um, you know, I would love to see Lavar's output say from like '93 to 2000, just like that 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 time frame, clip for clip, because you know that dude filmed a lot of footage. Like yep. that dude was prodigious, and uh, yeah, some some sort of comparison to Ishad would be would be pretty sick, because. I mean, just that uh, 20 shot, I think it's 20 shot, where he's like peak little kid form, LeVar is, and then Trilogy, mm-hmm. where it's just, again, like so many clips, like a dozen clips down Hubba. Yeah, skating to Jimmy yeah. Cliff, two song, two song joint. I, actually, oh, yeah. you rewatch Trilogy, I think the story goes that Blind wanted uh, their section to be its own standalone video, which, if you think about it, um, I think it would have changed the trajectory of that company. Totally, because I think it would have lived up to, uh, it definitely would have lived up to video days. Like, because like the this what is the the new blind video which was supposed to come out never came out. You got Tim and Henry's, which is dope, but like, that is the third blind video. Wow. Yeah, that would have been sick, Dan. Yeah, one hundred and one. Uh, the world section. I don't know. Sam Devlin. <laughs> Sam Devlin. <laughs> it gets a little. It gets a little. It loses some Skated. flavor at the end. <laughs> I, I mean, like. Yeah, like, how are you going to have a dude skating to the, one of the best Jesus Lizard song? And the part is so unremarkable. Like, his part in 20 Shot was better. Was there a Benny? No, I'm, I'm getting Casper and Devlin all mixed up. Though there could have been oh, a, a... Casper, he was on Blind. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm trying to think if Devlin did, like, a Benny Hanna out of one of those Vancouver snake runs. Yeah, he did. He did, okay. <laughs> yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, I, I don't know how... Uh, how uh, well Josh Casper's part would have stood the test of time. Like a fucking uh, launch ramp at the spot in your part, doing like Benihana's and shit. You know what? I think within the context, I think it was all right. And, you know, the rest of his part was so good. And also, like, considering how fast he was going, I mean, that's the fact that he could have bunked his head. You know, I think he gets a pass. He should get a pass. Yeah, I don't remember, like, when did the the stigma set in for Casper? Was it was it more Osiris? Because it was kind of like, I feel like information moved so slowly around the trilogy time that, like, you didn't quite, you didn't quite know where to put him. You were like, okay, launch ramp's kind of crazy, but that 360 flip is also amazing down mm-hmm. Carlsbad. Yeah. Pants game was awesome. I think the- Pants game was on point. <laughs> I think the Casper backlash started when he ollied over the DJ. Osiris and, then. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I think it also might have been the graphics. That was about the time where Blind kind of, where Dwindle kind of switched to the cartoony graphics for everybody. And his graphics were just kind of unremarkable. So he uh, he didn't really stand out in your mind as much. Like Casperholics. Yeah. <laughs> and all that shit. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah, something something happened on there, but like, yeah, man, you're getting me super nostalgic because like summer '96 and hate to veer off course, but like real talk, summer '96 was my the summer before my freshman year of high school. And Trilogy came out that year. Mouse came out that year. Welcome to Hell came out that year. Like, like a bunch of great videos came out. Oh yeah, Eastern Exposure three. Woo. Yeah, that was yeah that was that was yeah it was like March '96 or something. Yeah. Probably. And somehow it was Costin who won Skate of the Year that year. It wasn't Jamie Thomas for Welcome to Hell, which I think is controversial. I think that's kind of messed up. But I know that there was some beef between uh, yeah, Jamie yeah, Thomas yeah. and Rasha, right? 
Yeah, there's some industry politics there, yeah. according to legend. Yeah, but then like zero happened and they started selling a ton of boards and their ads were yeah. in pressure. <laughs> yeah, it was like on the Nile, but uh, maybe uh, maybe maybe guiding us back to Stevie Williams. One thing that didn't come up when we talked about the blacklist a couple mm. of weeks back that Patrick put together. This might sound silly, but I I had forgotten um, that DGK Stevie's brand is a black-owned company, and in that same vein, I'd also you know taken for granted that Stereo Skateboards is also uh, a black skater-owned company and mm-hmm. um i think yeah stevie williams kind of coming back and skating well at this moment a, a person who's done a ton of stuff in the skateboard industry i mean yeah. between striking out on his own twice if you think about it like to do his own board brand and then to do the reebok thing and he's ahead had of mixed the results yeah definitely ahead of the curve i think um yeah but innovative like- guy and again he's just 40 he's not old no, he's not old at all. The the off the rip, the Reebok move. It's I, I don't know. Like, I guess he caught some flack for it. Um, because the weird thing is like a lot of scenes like New York, L.A. People were rocking like Reebok classics. Were first of all they were affordable because you could get them at Marshalls or T.J. Maxx or whatever. And also they looked great. They looked great with the right type of jeans. Oh, on point. Well, I mean the the Kareem Campbell kicks were just a Reebok classic. With a gum sole, you know, if or, you know the black and gum cream is just that shoe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or the uh, was the, was the Reebok was the Reebok Classic that like tennis shoe like for playing tennis in, or was it like the trainer or whatever, like the one Kareem is like the one Kareem is wearing in that famous uh like backside flip photo at the World Park. Trainer. Oh, Not yeah, the trainer. Yeah. The the tennis one yeah. I can't remember offhand, but I think it, it was it was based off of the trainer. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not to step aside, but, but like, Duff's should have been bigger. I mean, Cream Campbell, like, that could have been one of those shoes, like the Sal 23, just stayed in production in some form or another. Um, also, same with Dukes. Like, 2020 Dukes could have been big right now, but that's another brand that was under Dwindle that kind of it came and went. Yeah, it seems like with Dwindle, like, there's so many brands, like, they kind of lost focus, you know what I mean, on some shit as time went on. Yeah. Then I guess, but action was pretty tight. Action was so dope. Action was, again, Kareem, I'm sending you this message publicly. <laughs> you got to come back. We need you. It's like, this is the bat signal. Kareem, wherever you are, you need to just give us something. Like, it seems like every year he gives us a little something to remind us he's still skating. He's still amazing. And he's still more stylish than three quarters of the people who are sponsored pros. He's out there and he's just, yeah, giving those little glimpses. If I have like one of the more, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on here. So um, devoted listeners, I apologize. But the one time I uh, skated the barracks, it was like summer of 2008. I go in there. I'm there for a little bit. In walks Kareem and some other dude. The other dude has a board. Kareem does not. Kareem kind of mills around for an hour and then dips. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, why didn't that man have a skateboard and just roll around because you know i'd be telling a very different story right now had that actually happened <laughs> yeah uh, Kareem. What but been? I, yeah but like also that that sense of mystery is kind of dope although stevie trickling out this footage on ig is great because it's um it's the correct use of the medium you're giving like it's getting people excited they're getting hyped about it right because 
you know, you know, it takes time to create a video part. And like, if you could come up with a solo joint, if you could come out a solo joint for that for summer, oh man, fingers crossed. Solo joint anytime 2020, that'd be great. Yeah, hopefully, all signs point to uh, some sort of comeback. Hopefully, it'll formulate into a video part. For, for we need a Gino comeback. We need a Gino comeback. <laughs> Gino, what can you say? Is the man? He uh, came out with that little Nike part for his shoe a little while ago. So hopefully, he's still skating and shit. Probably. Playing tennis, just being a like a chill dude. Yeah, that's very. I like this. It's so funny. Um, there's I'm trying to remember what. Uh, oh, was it yeah right? Where he skated to it's so easy. He skated to Guns N' Roses. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another version of it where he's skating to Show Me by I think it's the Cover Girls. He's skating to a freestyle song. Yeah, small freestyle song. Yeah, there's like three different versions of yeah right with three different sounds. Yeah. But, like, all three of them, whatever, I can't remember what the third song is, but, like, him skate, it's, like, it's, like, such a heavy Long Island vibe. You know, the <laughs> dude of his age. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude of his age skating to either Freestyle or Guns N' Roses, you're just, like, where's the Irox Z Camaro? Like, where are we going tonight? Where are we hanging out? You know, Big Time Tommy, take it easy style. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Much. for sure. Damn. Yeah, you. I don't know. You can't have that the same sort of uh, air of mystery now. I mean, there's 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 a handful of pros who are not on any type of social media, and they all tend to skew a little bit older. Not older as in like pushing yeah. forty, but you know, they're at least in their late twenties, early thirties. Like if you're a young cat, you are definitely on social media. So you're never gonna have. We will probably never have another wave of pros where you just wonder, like, when's a new when's a new part coming out? I need a new photo of this person, like a little, little something. You know? I think Jake Johnson is our our last one. Yeah, yeah either Jake or uh, Wes Kramer, maybe. I don't think he has Instagram either. Yeah, so probably them too. Man, Jake Johnson, so good. What he had an injury, right? Did a knee at some point? I can't remember. Yeah, I think somewhere down the line. Yeah, like something like something kind of something kind of derailed his trajectory. Not horribly, because he's obviously still skating and he's still amazing, but enough that um, we were left wanting more, and it wasn't really anybody's. Yeah, I think that might have been why he didn't have that much footage in that Converse video, which was great, by the way, although problematic. Yeah, wait, wait how so? What was on the uh, the soundtrack? Oh, what you gonna call it? Um, because Jake Johnson was skating to Death in June, who is uh, a band that has some pretty dubious, uh, kind of really occultish right-wing uh, ties. Nothing wrong with the occult, by the way. <laughs> For all the, but, uh, uh, the witches in, you know, yes, in the audience. Yes, we're, 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 you know, y'all good money, but yeah, it's, there, yeah, there's, and also, um, I think there's something else in there. Um, no, I think that was, I think that was it. Uh, but like that, that video was great. Shit, I shouldn't really knock it too hard. Purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah purple. Not, yeah, not, yeah, not, not knock too hard. <laughs> not too hard. No, I, 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 uh, I went to some premiere party for that at uh, what bar was it? Can't remember. But Ishad was there, and I totally was. Just, I was super starstruck. I wanted to like roll up and be like, "Yo, my man, let me like let me buy like a shot or something." And I'm just like, "That's a shot where I I don't know what to say." <laughs> I was really, I was really just like super nervous. Let me just go chill in this corner and compose myself. Seriously, and that never happened. The dude was like in LA or some shit. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was at Black. It was at Black. 
Uh, and like, you know, like it's, you know, you get used to it. Right. But like, this is actually somebody who's skating is amazing. He just like, seems like a chill dude. And his footwear game was on point. And I think he might've been wearing his, uh, his current Nikes that, uh, that are out now. But like, I was like, damn, you know, swag yeah, city. Uh, like, Ripper you know, for sure. Yeah. Super swaggy vibes, like super chill. Like he was kicking it with all the Supreme cats and they were wilding and he was just chilling, man. He was just doing his thing. It's always good when those guys look sick in person. Kind of just yeah. like validates the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, hey, he was swagged out. He was like just chilling. Just like just like posted up with his boys, you know? But yeah. Well, I will say, um, I too am hoping for that Stevie Williams video part that we're just kind of speculating about. I don't think anybody has any reporting on it. No breaking news here necessarily. It 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 had crossed my mind. I know we we thought about talking about that DC video, which is evidently coming out one part per week, which is kind of amazing, just given given the pace of things and then the fact that they they dredged up um ah oh, my man uh Sodi last year his demolition part. I can never oh, remember the, his name. Uh, Milton Martinez. Milton Martinez. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we got the Milton raw files. So um. I'm really hoping Stevie can bless us with some original content that doesn't have to be meted out. Yeah, how every seven Mil- days. How does Milton? How does that man still have knees? Those slams were oof, like kind of hey. painful to watch his raw files. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it was like super. Nut- hey, that's fucking hell ride, bro. What can you say? <laughs> that's yeah. demolition. Yeah. I just wonder also, like, how did he get over that mental hump of uh, going back to Sunset and kickflipping into it after destroying his ankle there? Maybe it's just kind of like, uh, what is it? Um, what's the type of therapy that uh, you'll go through? Um, exposure therapy. Exposure therapy. You just like, just walk up to it, man. Just keep going. And then, you know, you'll forget about the injury. <laughs> yeah, that's rugged. The, the, the thing that came to mind is just like he's still got like the bone structure of a three-year-old where you're just kind of rubber until you're not mm-hmm. on the car yeah, wash yeah. bank. Um, I don't want to butcher the dude's name, but uh, going back to the, the new DC clip uh, or the new video that's being trickled out, uh, is it Tainan or Tainan Costa? Ooh. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's close enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's Tainan. Great part. Um, but the music was a big, strong no for me. And here's what's weird. DC just put out that uh, video with bronze, right? For the new shoe that they yeah. just released. And that, to yeah, me, it worked so much better. First of all, because it was DC fitting into the bronze 56K universe, right? Whereas uh, Thinan's part is more like um, DC trying to fit into... like there's, there's some Strobeck vibes in the filming and in the kind of the general vibe. And um, I didn't love the music. It felt super canned. It felt, um, you know, because a lot of people were concentrating on the dude's fits. I don't care, you know. Um, the music, I, it kind of felt like ah, the music should have been better, man. I understand that like rights and clearance yeah, is a big well, issue now, but like, come yeah, on, man, give me something that would get me hyped. I'm gonna have to peep that because once once it was off the board for for the podcast, because we weren't gonna get anything else, I I foregoed it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a taste of this music supervision. It's worth it's yeah, worth checking I, out. I think this yeah, I think this DC video is more middle of the road than like the shit they do with like either bronze or um the Philly guys. You know what I mean? It's more like mm-hmm. jumping down stuff type of skating. So yeah, just like I guess like DC and like uh DC on the DC bronze video, it's almost as like 
the nostalgia doesn't feel forced. It feels very loving, and it yeah, actually yeah. It, the the two the two universes together actually work super well, right? And plus, there's Will Marshall footage in it, so you know that's a huge bonus. Anytime. Yeah, of course. You know, but now it's it, it it's like I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I will reserve judgment because the whole video hasn't come out. I don't love them tricking yeah. trickling it out, but you know we'll see. I guess the whole, I guess at what point are we going to talk about, like, nine weeks or whatever, or uh, one whole, <laughs> that's, a, dude, I can't even remember what ha- what happened yesterday, like, I'm going to have to take notes or something. This is, this is the oh. worst time to be trickling oh, out a video. History is happening right now. You can- <laughs> Un- undoubtedly, history is happening, and, and that might be um, a good segue, because across the country... And I think we've all seen it on, on our social medias, Instagram and elsewhere. Skaters have been taken to the streets to protest police brutality. And because Black Lives Matter, um, we're seeing a lot of those actions taking place alongside wider protests following the killing of George Floyd. And um, I think it says pretty well in the New York Times piece, Can Skateboarding Help Fight Racism? That, uh, well, that question grew out of skaters taking to the streets. The piece discusses how skating brings together uh, diverse groups of people and also skaters of color experiences with the police. It's an interesting article. Um, Jason, what jumped out to you in that story? You know, the main thing that jumped out was, uh, you know, skaters, you know, really love to you know talk about, you know, all the time how inclusive the culture is and that kind of shit, which is true. But, you know, the the main thing that jumped out was that even though skaters are all like, you know, bro skating, inclusive, blah, 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 black skaters still experience systemic racism when they're skating. Like, for example, an encounter with a police officer or a security guard might or probably will be totally different for them than for white skaters. Know what I mean? That was pretty eye-opening, I thought. It's a good reminder. I mean... I had my first run-in with the cops at 13, got a ticket, thought it was absurd, but at no point did I really, you know, hindsight mostly, and being in the in the situation, you know, hindsight was, I wasn't in danger necessarily, if at all. You didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't immediately fear for your life, and you exactly. didn't have to kind of start thinking about what you're going to say, you didn't have to start thinking about uh, your, how you were going to react physically. Um, there's a really good um, there's a really good passage in here that I'll read. It says skateboarding's ethos is defined in some ways by resistance to authority by bodily autonomy. So skateboarding is how many young skaters first come in contact with the police or security guards. It may lead to their first questions about who gets to use public space and why. And I think that that's a, a really fundamental piece of why I think non-black skaters, white skaters, uh, Latino skaters, indigenous skaters are banding together because even if you've never even if you've never experienced systemic racism even if you've never been racially profiled even if you've never been followed in your car or followed around a shop if you have black friends in your crew or if you hung out in places where there are black skaters black or brown skaters you've seen it happen it happens to everybody and you've yep. seen it happen you you've you've maybe you haven't experienced it firsthand but you've seen it happen to your friends and i think that happening at a very formative young age has a pretty powerful impact on how people view the world and how skate excuse me how skaters view the world and 
I think that's why you're seeing so many kids like deciding that they want to participate. And I think that that's actually a, a really, that's actually a really, really, really important part of skateboarding is questioning authority and learning how to think for yourself and not just accepting that, um, well, you always have to listen to police and security guard, and that's just the way it is. And uh, their authority is not to be is not to be challenged. In fact, you learn from that very tender age that authority is to be questioned, and that's something that's super, super, super empowering, and is actually something that is very uniquely American too. I mean, this is a country that's built like we are a nation of rule breakers. We're a nation of lawbreakers. There is a very strong libertarian streak in America, and one thing that I think. This New York Times article did uh, because it's written by uh, the author actually writes. She writes California to uh, the California Today section. And instead of writing about California in this kind of very stereotypical East Coast, we have no idea what anything is and have no concept of distance between any of these places. Um, <laughs> she's writing as a real expert and really kind of putting into New York Times speech so that. You know, if this was not uh, a global pandemic, you know, this would be something you talk about at the offices. Said, hey, uh, you know, I read that thing about skateboarding. You guys are really doing something swell out there. <laughs> like it, 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 and it, it puts it into the. It, it, it's, it's not patronizing, and it, more importantly, it translates a lot of what we experience into the kind of article that you know the typical new new york times reader understands that they can be like ah i get it you know it gives them a frame of reference to understand it and yeah it's it's kind of crazy like we talked about it last time uh, i spoke with you guys but you know the first my first encounters with police and security guards were as a skater you know yep oh yeah and, it, and there's even there's a graph or two in here you know talking on that that those first encounters with police security guards one of the people interviewed for this story, Naftali Williams, he mentions how um, he's talked to the parents of professional skaters of color who had to have a version of the talk with their children, which is, you know, the kind of heightened awareness of how you act, how you present yourself, how you move around the police security. And um, I think, you know, even, even with all the... Uh, everything that's happening i mean worldwide protests i'm still enough of skate brain where when you put these wider these big issues these big topics and you kind of like convert them into skateboarding like that where it's like okay these kids are going out and they're going to encounter police in this way it i mean it, it feels funny to admit but it, it it gives me a different level of aha or it's you know it's it's a different type of eureka where it just helps me understand maybe even a little bit more deeply just because, you know, it gets it down to that same level of experience. Yeah. And, and back in the day, you know, up until very recently, um, anybody could get harassed for skating. Um, it didn't matter what color you, and it could be just getting lined up against the wall. You know, it's, and also, you know, we were, you know, not everybody was dressed like a skater back in the nineties and, you know, the early aughts. So it was very easy. You see a bunch of, Guys walking around with skateboards is like, hey, where are you guys going to? Huh? Where you where you been? Open those bags. Because also, I mean, for better or for worse, a lot of us, you know, definitely rolled with some fellow travelers who were got into trouble. You know, cats who did graffiti. You know, right. cats who did a little bit of petty vandalism, whatever. It's. I think what's important here is that I think that for readers who know nothing about skateboarding or youth culture, or whatever, we'll start drawing some really important lines about what young people are thinking and why there's so many skaters participating and um, 
you know, it's compared to compared to uh, a lot of professional sports. Um, I don't know. I mean, like it, it's been mixed. It's been mixed with professional skating. But if we're talking like the rank and file, just regular kids, like a lot of kids are out here. Like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these um, skate protests. You know, people going pushing from one part of town to another, one park to another, one plaza to another. I mean, they've been very well attended and. People, yeah. I, at least from what I've seen, have been very respectful. The one in the Bay Area, uh, uh, San Francisco, amazing. You know, like that's that's real positivity. And I don't really, I do not like the idea of respectability politics. I don't think that skaters should have to be a certain way, don't have to be well spoken, doesn't it, nothing. But you know what? Good publicity is good publicity. And if if there can be regular, regular Americans out there seeing skaters protesting for Black Lives Matter, being civically engaged, going to their city council meetings, doing all of that, you know, that that's great for skating. Like, good on us, you know? We should give ourselves a round of applause. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, along those lines, skateboarding day is this weekend, and it seems like, just based on, you know, what I've seen, just about every single Go Skateboarding Day event is one of those protest type of things that you mentioned, like, like skate from point A in the town to point B in the town. Like there's one here in Richmond, there's one in Charlotte, which venture is sponsoring Seattle, Portland, Albuquerque, Baltimore, Oakland, blah 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 blah. So yeah, like you said, like like maybe it's something to do with like the the uh, you know I mean the progressive thinking kind of embedded in the culture, but no other sport or whatever you want to call it is doing it. Like the like the bowling league isn't out there. You know what I mean? Nah, Al Bundy and them. Chilling at home. <laughs> yeah, the bowling league isn't out there. Baseball players, like that, like who knows, man. There was a one NASCAR driver who had like the Black Lives Matter car. That was that was tight. Um, oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty crazy that it's the you know what I mean. Out of all the different events, they've all been totally together, and you know what I mean, and on point. I think so much of it has to do with kind of the the arbitrary run-ins that you have or you know the how the run-ins you have with these figures of authority are so arbitrary and so common and maybe Mm -hmm. in totality lower stakes than the actual high stakes issues at hand just in that you know maybe it is just these cops waving you off or it's a security guard through a window waving you off or you know we've all had the, the full range of experience be it our buddies ourselves or some guy you don't know skating who maybe escalates things. But generally, it's these arbitrary experiences, but they also show you just how kind of absurd it is, you know, to enforce. I mean, I remember getting hassled for, I can't remember if I was in the street or the sidewalk downtown Minneapolis, but the cop stopped us all, five or six guys, and told us we either had to be on the sidewalk or the street. And, you know, the 15-minute ordeal sticks with me to this day i can't remember the details that well but i think it's kind of just that like we know something ain't right about this and there are bigger issues at hand and we know just from our own experiences just how fishy the whole thing is and i think that really does drive yeah the kids out yeah here you can get a ticket for uh just skating downtown anywhere it doesn't have to be like side like you know i mean sidewalk or the street like you can get a ticket anywhere public you know sidewalk street Plaza doesn't matter. Yeah. Which is which, which is, is absurd. Ridiculous. Yeah. Patently, patently absurd. What's I mean, like, let's keep it one hundred. Skaters 
have significantly more interactions with police than any other, I guess we'll just say athlete. We'll just use the term athletes, right? Than any other athletes, you know? How many, I mean, like those Nike ads from the 90s, which were so corny, you know, they had a, a, there was a kernel of truth in them. There was, it makes no sense that how skating is about to go into the Olympics and yet you can still get a ticket for skating. I got my first ticket, what? It took years, but I finally got my first uh, my first skating ticket at Freedom Plaza. And because Freedom Plaza, you know, this being Washington, you know, or when I was there, it was Washington, D.C., um, it's federal property. So it was park police, right? So they took my board. The ticket was $50, and it was a it was like a $100 impound fee. Mm-hmm. Like, dog, that's basically a new complete. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like, uh, the impound yard for getting your board is way, way out there on um, – this place called Haynes Point, which is near the Jefferson Memorial, if I remember correctly. Like it's 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 a hike to get there. There's some boat club down that way. But yeah, think of it. And also, if you really think about it, you know, I know this is a logical fallacy, but if we can if we can cordon off, um, actually no, screw it. If you think about it like this, right? How many regular regular uh, white Americans, right, have as many encounters with the police as say a skater? You know, as say a skater, right? And that's like a fraction of the the amount of uh, encounters that say a person of color would have, right? Right. right. Like it's just like sort of just baked in, you know? Like you, you know, like that feeling of existential dread when you know, like that feeling like where you're skating a spot and like it's not even sirens, like cop pulls up. Yeah. You know? Like you know, did you did you just get it right now? Did you just close your eyes and just like you picture, you know, cop pulls up real slow, door opens, you just like. That second, you know, like split second decision. Yeah. Like, do I need to run? Yeah. Or do we just need to chill? <laughs> no, I'm I'm too old to run. I've been too, been too old to run for a while. Uh, but I mean, I, I can't think I. Go ahead. One no, one time I ran, and then the cops would, which is probably the stupidest thing I ever did, because then the cops came to my parents' house at like Ooh. two in the morning. <laughs> which, in the grand scheme of things, is a lot better than getting shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, <laughs> for skateboarding, but yes, magnitude's better. I mean, I mean, like it, it's weird too because I remember I was skating um, a school in Echo Park um, near one of those really super big hills near um, Baxter Street, where was it Nuge, where he bombed it? It's like one of the steepest hills in the country. Yeah, and, yeah, I think I know. Yeah, um, school police pulled up. It was a Saturday. Yeah, it was a weekend. It was a weekend. It was, um, I think it was where they filmed the opening of Pretty Sweet, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And we were skating the bank over there. Cops pulled up. You know, school police, not LAPD, pulled up. And they opened the fence remotely from the outside. And, you know, like, we're, like it was me and my buddy. We're both 30 plus. Like, we're just like, we know officer. And it's a bit like a big song and dance. Just like, guys, you know, the neighbors, you know, the neighbor's a little nice now. Could you... Keep it moving. And we didn't have to hop the fence to leave. They let us out. They're like, no ticket, no nothing. And I don't know, maybe it's being a little bit older. But also, it, like, it really depends. It, and it, it's it's super arbitrary. Like, there's really no guarantees. Like, depends on the depends on the officer. Depends on the jurisdiction. Depends on where you're skating, what you're doing. You know? I mean, yeah. you know? Like, if it's just like, if like, real talk, what officer really wants to write tickets for a bunch of 30-plus folk? You know, who are yeah, not uh, they don't, they don't who aren't to, smoking they and don't, drinking spot. They don't want to do paperwork, period. You don't want these problems, boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, suddenly the absurdity becomes apparent to them, too. Um, I think when, yeah, when the middle 30s birthday is on the ID, 
Um, jumping back to some, what you were talking about, Patrick, like the average skater's interactions with the police versus, you know, a black person's interactions with the police. It reminded me, uh, Philando Castile, killed by police here during a traffic stop, 2016. R.I.P. I don't remember the exact number, but I think he... Castile, 32 years old, had been stopped by the cops 70 odd times before that fatal police stop. And I mean, if I've got six skateboarding tickets and probably a half dozen, or excuse me, a full dozen other interactions with the cops, and I'm kind of a lead foot, so I've been pulled over and gotten maybe like three or four speeding tickets, handful of other tickets. Mm-hmm. Let's say I've, I've, I've dealt with the cops 22 times and I'm like, a high cops interaction white guy without like really doing anything all that illegal. Yeah. <laughs> it's still like, it's still like a quarter of the number of times that, you know, Castile was a law abiding black man. He had a permit to carry a gun, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it's a stark comparison. It's, it's, I guess you just gotta move. It's weird. You have to move differently, you know, like, um, I remember, well, I was changing. Uh, my wife and I were running errands this weekend, and we, you know, I had to get put new wipers on my car. And you know, we're taking them out of but the packaging. When my wife asks me, you know, you know, do you want me to get you this? Um, this is like a, like a Swiss Army knife, something like that, to keep in your cars. So you can open stuff like this whenever. And the first thing that came to my mind was, I do not want to have any type of anything that can even be construed as a weapon in the event that my car gets searched. Right. Because it would be something to keep in the glove box. And, you know, like I keep like a little glasses kit in there, just like a screwdriver. Right. But it's really weird. Like, that's like the first thing that came to my mind was just like, if I get stopped and, you know, they decide they want to search my car and they find that in there. Right. And there's a blade in it. Right. You know, who knows what could happen from there. And one thing that's really helps to get people, help people wrap their heads around this kind of mentality is that, you know, most of the women in our lives, most of the women we know, all have a system, um, especially if they're single or when they were single for, you know, if they're out with their girlfriends, they're just posted up, you know, about getting home, about doing all these kind of things to make sure that they seem like they are engaged with something or talking to somebody if they're on the yeah. phone while they're walking through our parking garage, you know, just having to move differently because of the fear of some kind of negative interaction, right? Some kind of assault yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um this is the exact same mentality. You're just kind of thinking in your head like, okay, you, you're basically, you're thinking preventatively all of the time. And I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's something that you can't really shut off. It's just something you just, you're just used to it. And I think that skating does create a lot of empathy. I think that regardless of your, your background, your racial background, that you understand that feeling when the cops roll up that some shit might go down, you know, like it, it's something, you know, Things could go left very, very quickly, you know? I think about when we were younger and, like, cats would be, you know, de- doing things that they were not supposed to at the skate spot, you know? I mean, you know, we all know better now as adults, but, like, it used to get kind of crazy. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, back back to uh, the protest and different sports being outside and shit. Definitely want to shout out the NBA because I saw... Steph, Steph Curry was outside. That guy, Jordan Clarkson, who used to be on the Lakers, probably on the Pelicans now. He was outside. Also, uh, the god, J.R. Smith, mm-hmm. was out mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, so definitely shout out to NBA. They've definitely been uh, pretty active with all this shit. 
Yeah, I know a lot yeah. of a lot of young Celtics showed up in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, it, it's it's interesting, like, um, especially now that, you know, there's still this big question mark about how is an NBA season going to look? How is baseball going to look? How's football going to look? I mean, I watched the the first restart game when Arsenal, Ben City, and Arsenal lost 3-0 in the pouring rain, <laughs> and it was awful. And, like, it was... Let me tell you, it was like kind of a relief to be watching sports. I mean, the last few months, but especially like the last three or four weeks have been so emotionally heavy. It was like this beautiful sort of release. But I also kind of felt guilty, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's I mean, here, like it's still like a big question mark. I mean, like, let's keep it 100. Baseball is probably not going to happen. I mean, there have been yeah. so many cuts to like the, the all the minor league teams, to the farm teams. You know, there's a lot of disputes about how people are going to get paid, how much they're going to get paid, how are they going to make this work? I mean, it's asking a lot. I mean, why not just take the L? You know? Yeah, based on what I've uh, seen and heard, uh, probabilities low for baseball and uh, NBA. Like, who knows? Like, I saw some article in the New York Times where like. There's like 115 rules for the compound and all this shit. Like, it's yeah. really, uh, it's pretty heavy. But definitely looking forward to the first uh, Spurs game tomorrow out in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I mean, it's also kind of like, you know, big asterisks because it's, it's A, Liverpool's probably going to, is definitely going to win the title. Statistically, they'd have to really, I don't even think it's possible, but, um, and also just like, I don't know what stuff has been canceled before, you know, first and second world war canceled uh, the world cups, you know, we can yeah. live. I, I would, I would, I'd rather see a legit year of great play and actually something interesting on, you know, something interesting that's happened. All the controversy that all the heat that should have been thrown on the, the Astros for sign stealing the last couple Holy of years, cow. right. <laughs> that, you know, something that changed the trajectory for the Yankees and the Dodgers, you know, moves that made my household, you know, furious, you know, like they should have been catching heat every single game. And now people are just going to forget about it. there's so much that's been happening so much more that's so much more that's been happening in the world and in people's lives that if and when baseball comes back, whether it's this season or next, you know, folks are going to like it's going to be in the, the last thing. People are. They're just going to be happy to be watching. Yeah, they're going to be uh, you're gonna get pretty, away stoked. With pretty stoked. It might I'll be stoked have baseball back. I'll, I'll be I'll be stoked for the NBA to be back. Mm-hmm. One uh, one postscript to the discussion of that Times article. Uh, it's it's discussing a uh, University of Southern California study about skateboarding, and one of the co-authors previously mentioned Neftali Williams. He was before becoming an academic team manager of City Stars. So um, I know yeah. I know we we went far afield on that discussion, but. Uh, pretty rad little detail in there so uh, we highly recommend and are stoked on that article yeah which is brilliant dude oh his resume yeah. is incredible and he's also yeah i was looking at his resume he's a uh he's a professor of skateboarding business or something along those lines at usc mm-hmm. first ever yeah yeah i think he's uh i, I want to say he's in the netherlands right now on fellowship um I think before that he was in New Zealand. Like he, he, this is a cat who's laying down the groundwork. 
Hell yeah. You know, I really am, you know, again, like we talked about this last time about Ocean Howl. I love the fact that there's like, there's a skate academy that's kind of starting to come together. That, um, you know, instead of having this stuff kind of passed down, you know, via oral history, that maybe some of these things about the industry and a lot of the legends and things like that, this is stuff that can get written down and can be discussed and can be kind of formalized so that, you know, great stuff doesn't get lost, you know? It's a beautiful thing. I know there's there's not enough, like, collection and digitization of all our magazines. So if we can start here at the Academy, it'll be a good thing. Yeah. So, Patrick, if you're stoked on that, what else are you stoked on this week? Hmm. Just replace the bushings on my ventures, right? Uh, put in some bones bushings. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's um. Although the thing is that um, the bushings that came on mine uh, were were purple, and I love. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just looked dope. Um, because I remember I'd set it up with uh, a couple boards that were purple stained, and you know it was a very outcast kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Stoked on Parliament Funkadelic this week. I don't know why. Just just feeling the vibe. I'm 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 really connecting with the mothership this week. And um, I'm stoked on this New York uh, Knicks hat that I just picked up. It's a throwback. Uh, it's a snapback joint. Lottie's had it. Like I think they got uh, they had some vintage stuff just kind of laying around. Um, picked up a couple shirts. Saw a Knicks hat. I was like, had to do it. I'm a sucker for punishment. Uh, James Dolan is terrible. He needs to sell the team. He's a horrible human being. The Knicks, I think, are the only NBA franchise that hasn't come out and straight up said Black Lives Matter. Disgusting. Ooh, How are you going to do that in no, the city of New York? No, he's, he's a, yeah, Dolan, I mean, you can recite chapter and verse of all the uh, messed up shit he's done. I, I think they released, I think, emails from Dolan saying why they weren't doing that were leaked, if I remember correctly. I'm going to do <laughs> I can, that, but... I, just, just, just no. Just like, like I don't know what, like what he's gonna do something that's gonna drive me into becoming a Lakers fan with my wife, and she's gonna be all happy because she's like, see, you know what Showtime's about, you know, you did the right thing. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> there are emails of Dol- James Dolan trying to justify why he is silence on uh, silent. He just like Black no, like, and like this hat is hard body, and like by the way, I just gotta say. My hat game for this summer, you know, I don't even know. Like, I got that, I uh, got the Quarter Snacks, uh, Tompkins Square, uh, uh, Track Club joint, you know, got a fresh Yankees joint, got this one Bianca Shandon hat that I'm trying to destroy. Um, I had this sci fi fantasy hat that I wore two summers ago, completely trashed it with sweat. It looks amazing now. Trying to yep. do the same for this Bianca Shandon. I'm, oh, I'm ready, ready. That's what's up. That's what's up. I think I got a 2019. Tompkins Track Club hat that is just sweated out to beautiful. On that <laughs> note, <laughs> uh, Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Yeah, well, like uh, Patrick, I also ride the Ventures. I uh, I stick with the stock purple bushings, though. I drove myself insane with Bones bushings uh, when I used to ride <laughs> Indy. So I'm just like using like stock bushings, tighten it down so nuts flush with the uh, kingpin and that's it that's all i do so mm. once again stoked on the venture trucks stoked on the slides e grinds final not gonna spoil it if you're still watching it but um yeah that shit was awesome it totally got me through like the past three months it was definitely something to look forward to every few days so not gonna not gonna mention winner or anything like that but yeah so definitely check in the slides and grinds final on youtube 
I think it was. Well, never mind. I'm not going to say. Anyway, also stoked on a uh, World Industries Randy Colvin reissue that I got as the wall hanger. The uh, the legend with or without the garbage bag. No, it ca- it came okay. It came sealed in the garbage bag, which was pretty cool. <laughs> so, so even though it might have uh, lessened the uh, value amongst the collectors, I opened it up anyway because you know what I mean. You have to look look at the screen printing and you know hold the shit in your hand. <laughs> I still can't believe I, I still can't believe that that board actually came out. It's that's wild. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah, it's crazy, and um, so yeah, I mean, I had if you're a world if you're a world industries kid like me, you know, what I mean, you kind of have to hold a board in your hand, look at the screen printing shit. So uh, stoked on that wall hanger. Don't know where in my home I'm going to hang it. I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> the bathroom. Uh, in the back, there you go. Just in the in the living room, like hey, here, you know. Don't you have a teenager? You got a teenage boy? Yeah. Right yeah <laughs> well he'll be stoked wherever it hangs up <laughs> yeah they'll be yeah they'll be they'll be stoked on it um yeah don't know where i'm gonna hang it but uh yeah it's pretty sick stoked on it um mike where are you stoked on it uh i am stoked on brad johnson's instagram account at chef underscore brad johnson been vibing on it pretty hard lately uh brad johnson originally from missouri good midwestern skater right there uh, he lived in the Bay Area, San Francisco, middle late 90s, skated the pier a bunch and filmed and all he posts on his Instagram account, as far as I've been telling for the past couple of months, is uh, Bay Area footage that like really speaks to me from when I first started skating, just um, like Sata Leung footage, mm-hmm. weird gems of like Marcus McBride at Hubba, random Jason Maybe I'm making up Jason Dill at Union Square footage, but just like nope. it's there. That's that's there that's we him. go. There we go. And and like Drake Jones gems, just stuff that I grew up on that was like really made San Francisco this legendary place in my mind. Yeah, Damn. like you want to talk about best uses of the medium. That's this. This I was gonna be stoked on this before I saw Mike put it up on the news, but uh, yeah, this is definitely one of the best uses of Instagram thus far. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean when like he it, it i should it's worth pointing out that it's not just the footage but there's also little stories attached to it where he gets into like third string skaters of that era where like georgian alex cherikov terikov like a couple yeah, guys some shit like that where if you if you were really watching like the thrasher video name one uh donut donut, donut duty, duty. Yeah, if you watch Donut Duty 50 times and you saw, like, these random Pure 7 Lokes in there and, like, those names are just, like, lodged deep in the recesses of your mind and then all of a sudden there's, like, background stories about how, like, Brad Johnson and his homies stayed at these obscure dudes' mom's house in San Francisco. It's it's just really cool, like, skate archaeology. It's, and it's then, unthinkable. It was so it's so expensive now. You couldn't you would never dream of being like, oh, I'm just gonna show up in San Francisco and crash at someone's house. Totally different yeah. Different world in terms of yeah, like those definitely dudes uh, scumbag it out there. Definitely a window into a pre IPO San Francisco. Yeah. Like um I, I have an issue of slap uh, I was like the first one I ever bought, I, I 
I found a, a copy of it on eBay because I since lost the original. It's from um, I think it was June of '96, and I remember it because I took it with me. Um, I took it with me. I was uh, we did a family trip uh, to Uganda that summer, and we're gone the whole summer, so no skateboarding, none. And um, so I read that magazine cover to cover, that and an uh, issue of Thrasher. And there's a whole section about how to move to San Francisco, what neighborhoods, you know, where the cheapest uh, mission burritos, things like that. And I went back yeah. and reread it when I got it. And I said, this is like another planet. Hmm. I, I mean, that's like the oh, yeah. neighborhoods that they were calling out and the car, the prices. And it's just like this is, you know, out of reach for pretty much any sponsored skater, even like top tier, like they'd be stretching it, you know. And I'm talking about like on the Niger level. Niger's money it goes a lot further in uh, Orange County than it would in the Bay. Like hmm. you probably have like a chill condo up there. That's about it. Yeah, I kind of love his OC modern home. It <laughs> pains me to say that we have the same, or it's weird for me. It doesn't pain me. It's just bizarre that we got the same uh, same tastes in architecture. Yeah, he, he's you know what he's you know first like his shoe was actually really dope. Like, and I'm, apparently it's vegan. Yeah, Man, that's right. Like, that's what I heard. Responsible footwear. Yeah, like, yeah, responsible, yeah, ethically responsible footwear. And, and um, you know what? Like the compression, uh, compression leggings plus the shorts. Like, I think it's kind of dope. Like, he would be unremarkable if he say dressed like all the dudes on FA. Yeah, it, that's his brand, I guess. <laughs> what can you say? And we didn't even get a chance to get into his pants on the cover of the latest thrasher but right. we can save that we can save that for another time i haven't even gotten it in the mail yet so we'll he's on the cover that. of thrasher and we're not so <laughs> well, and i go. think i said it at one point like i don't think any of us have tried the compression tights yet for skating in maybe he's on to something i mean look stevie yeah. steve oh stevie and niger yo that's the future <laughs> the 2020s oh, right yeah. there <laughs> i'm man. Remember that it was crazy. Yeah, but hey, yeah, Neen Neen was the one who had the vision with uh, his brief time with uh, Lululemon. Uh, man. You know? yo, it's gonna be athleisure. Yo, I'm telling you, it's gonna be the move. That's the sponsorship right there. Yeah. Shout well, out well, Lululemon, please send us. A get box. you a Lululemon box. Get your mind right. Get your. I mind mean, right. I mean, if we're if we're shouting out all the all the hookups we want, Patagonia, right here. Yeah, I need like a box of baggies for the summer. There we go. All colors, size large. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for the links to the things we talked about today and other show notes. Uh, thanks to Templeton, who, while not here, is going to be going all over the internet to document the topics of this wide-ranging t- discussion that we just had. And um, since Templeton's not here, not on this recording right now, Big shouts. Thank you, Templeton, for editing the show each week. Obviously, that's huge because we're, we're getting up there yeah. in the number of shows, and he Big does it every out. time. Uh, you can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can people find you? On the Twitter at Carbonite1994, on the Instagram at FrozenCarbonite, and writing stuff on Quartersnacks.com. We got a new one posted yep. today, Thursday. Today. Came up pretty good, pretty psyched on it. We uh, we might be discussing that on a future show. Patrick, where are yeah. you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Colonel K Speaks. That's Colonel, like the military ranking. And uh, on Instagram, 
at P Kigongo. So it's P K I G O N G O. Awesome. And I, Mike, am on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle at M Munzenrider. Thanks. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, you guys. Be, be safe. Later. <laughs>